0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello there and welcome back to This Song Is Yours. I'm Simon Fink your host and I'm thrilled to have you join us for episode 320. We're wrapping up our podcast episodes for the year this week with our good friends at Heaps Good Festival. They're taking the festival across our fair country this summer with shows in Adelaide and Melbourne. And they're also hosting a special set of shows in Brisbane at the Fortitude Music Hall with a lineup across two days consisting of guests such as the Avalanches, Griff, Holly Humberstone, Foles, and our guest today, Subtract. Another festival favourite across Australia, having played so many of our festivals, Subtract joins us today for another instalment of what we're dubbing Heaps Good Chats. We're going to chat to artists from the lineup about their own festival experiences, so whether that be the first music festival that they ever attended, dream ones that they'd love to play one day, or their own key music festival moments here in Australia, we'll be chatting to them and seeing what punters across the summer have in store. Today, Subtract joins us on the podcast to talk about his first festival experience and the insane band that he got to see. I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but it is a live act that everyone wants to see once in their life, and he managed to at a very incredible stage. I'm not going to ruin the story, but it's definitely worth listening to. (laughs) He also talks us through an experience at a festival over the last few years, which made him comfortable enough to lose the Subtract mask and think about how he performs moving forward. We also talked to Subtract about what Aussie fans can expect from Heaps Good in January. Tickets to both Heaps Good Festival and the special set of shows at the Fortitude Music Hall can be found in today's show notes. And we want to say a massive thank you to Mon and Layla from Scrabble BR for their help with today's episode. Now, before we embark on this conversation, please make sure you subscribe to This Song Is Yours on your preferred podcast platform. Stay tuned for all of our latest episodes by following us on social media. All details can be found within the show notes for today's episode. Let's get into it and have a heaps good chat with Subtract. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, Aaron Jerome aka Subtract. Aaron, hello, how are you going?
1: Hey, nice to meet you. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it is an incredibly um, exciting time for a lot of Australian fans. Subtract is coming back down to Australia for Heaps Good Festival in the new year um, and we're going to have a chat about some kind of festival stuff today. So once again, thank you very much for kind of coming onto the podcast.
1: No, it's really great. Um, yeah, I'm very hyped to be returning to Australia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that it has been, I did a bit of a count today. I think it's been eight years since we yeah, last saw you down here.
1: It, it really doesn't feel like eight years have passed, but it obviously has, you know, since I was last there. <laughs> I was thinking it was. Um, I performed at Listen Out Festival I think was the last time around um back in what was it 2016 maybe or 2015 I can't remember mm. one of the two <laughs> um and then yeah before that was like uh, a live tours doing like my second album as well with Wonder Where We Land um doing like Falls Festival and that kind of stuff um but yeah it's it's exciting to return you know it's always been one of my favorite places to play
0: i was going to say you are an... um a bit of a favourite at Australian festivals, as you've just kind of mentioned. You played Falls, you played Listen Out. I think my um, my first interaction with you was at Laneway Festival. Oh, yeah. I want to say back, like, around the first album. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah,
1: that was that was uh, 2012. I think it was January 2012 or something like that. Um, and I still remember that festival. It was such a great vibe, you know. Like, it was a real great group of people. There's a really interesting thing about it, actually, that... In the time since, you know, I didn't really know a lot of the other artists playing apart, you know, we actually had a lot of people from my, uh, the label I used to be signed to were there, like Jamie XX was there and um, Samph was obviously in my band at the time Um, and Chairlift were playing, Caroline Polachek because it was how she she goes by. Um, But, Uh, since that point, you know, I've been, I've worked with Toro Imoir, who was also playing that same festival that time, and I'd never met him at the festival, but, you know, then he's been on my recent album. And also, um, about a few years ago, I was working with Feist, and I didn't realise at the time she was the headliner back then, (laughs) like, of that (laughs) festival. And then, you know, we we did a couple of sessions, did a few sessions in LA, like, a few years back. But, yeah, we had this discussion, it's suddenly full circle, realised, yeah, like, there'd been this time when we played done this. Tour around Australia at the same time. Um, so it's interesting kind of reconnecting with lots of people, seeing how kind of influential that festival had been, you know, with the lineup
0: to like the longevity of it for me, anyway, you know. Um, I absolutely love that. I've, <laughs> yeah. From a number of the artists that we've spoken to, it does seem that, um, and this is not to, you know, toot one's own horn, um, Australia does seem to have a thing with festivals, especially with like touring festivals where you've got four yeah. or five shows together. Where you're able to build these relationships and kind of have some fun, and it seems that um, a lot of collaborations end up maybe a seed is planted somewhere in Australia by people just being able to hang out with one another to then yeah totally yeah. yeah no
1: I definitely agree <laughs> I think um, you know that a common shared experience of somewhere new for everyone as well plus also mm. like kind of being a um, you know kind of just being around and, and relaxing a bit more being around you know kind of just there yeah, we're like performing plus also being able to meet other people but yeah just creatively um in a different space and i remember doing things like we did some radio shows or i think it was fbi radio at the time and stuff you know like and as well as like triple j stuff but i remember just doing these kind of we're just doing like back-to-back dj stuff you know kind of like low-key club things around it which is really fun you know so like i don't know i you know Australia's great for that. You know?
0: <laughs> Look, we'll very much take that. We've got to do like we're so far away from everyone else. We've got to be able to offer something <laughs> yeah. unique for a festival experience. Um, I was wondering if you might be able to kind of take us back to your first ever festival experience as um, as a punter, as going as as a gig attendee.
1: Well, my my one's kind of interesting. Like the first time I ever went to a festival was with my brother. Um, and we went to this thing which is quite well renowned, you know, in the UK, but it was like it was like the late 90s. And I was like kind of in my early teenage years, basically, but like I was trying to I was really fascinated by electronic music. And I pushed my brother to make us go to this event. It was called Tribal Gathering. Um, and it was it was basically the first time that Daft Punk ever played in the UK. And also Ronnie Size's <laughs> first ever show. So like I got to see, on this event, I saw so many people for the first time ever. And like the first time I'd ever seen kind of dance music. I'd never been to a club before at that point, you know. So the first time mm. I saw was in this mad festival environment with kind of, you know, like a happy hardcore tent. Like a kind of, you know, US garage tent and a, one which was just like, you know, kind of French house. There was like, I saw Chemical Brothers live, you know, like... um I don't know. Carl Cox playing all these mad, like crazy, crazy sort of legends of people. But yeah, seeing Daft Punk, you know, playing that event, I've never seen them since. It was the only time I ever saw them. <laughs> was it this one thing? But it was incredible. It was one of those moments that like resonated with me and made me want to get involved and do that. You know, hmm. as my my kind of occupation. Even though having no idea how to get there, I wanted to do it. <laughs> but, you. Uh-
0: You've absolutely smashed it out of the park. You haven't done things by halves in terms of first festival experience. Daft Punk is a pretty, um, pretty strong contender for yeah like best headliner ever. Yeah,
1: no, exactly. And that was that was back in the day before the before their mask robot phase as well. You know, it was kind of ninety 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 seven. You know, when they were on their first album, Homework. So yeah, and I'm like I think, God yeah, Ronnie Size was one of the things that really like you know i remember vividly as well because it was his first ever show and he had this whole like live band format where he had drums and like a like an upright bass player but then he had like all his sequences and kind of like his atari st which was like the the best sequencer at the time i suppose you know for making beats and stuff but like he had that on stage with all the computers rigged up and all this stuff and i i just was captivated by this idea of that electronic music could also be live and vice versa, you know, you could have both elements, it didn't just have to be playback of songs, you know, and that's what Mm. I saw with both Daft Punk, you know, they had you know, years later I saw pictures of it and it was just like, they had racks and racks of gear, you know, it was just like like a studio basically on stage, you know and that stuff is like You know, and then Chemical Brothers are not dissimilar. You know, they have, like, 30 keyboards or something, you know, on their (laughs) stage. Stuff like that definitely, like, has influenced me along the way, you know, of going, not being shy of performing live, you know, taking live stuff and messing about and just seeing what happens on the fly, not necessarily being like, oh, this has to be, you know, kind of just a playback show. There's a lot of electronic shows have become because because LED screens and video and light- lighting has become so prevalent everywhere. You can kind of hide a bit, you know, mm. and that takes over. But I've always been of the, the school of like performance should always be, for me, is the important part of it, you know, that kind of like the live performance part
0: um one hundred percent do you um do you remember i guess having seen those kind of bands and those elements and bringing it to your own project do you remember your first festival experiences subtract
1: yeah like that was um <sighs> Cool. Actually, I don't remember the first festival now because it's like sort of blended into one a lot of these things. But like, I was <laughs> I was obviously DJing a lot as subtract to start with, you know. So I was I was generally making getting my feet playing at places in front of audiences DJing, um, which kind of gave me more comfort, you know, made me more comfortable with like being in front of people, you know, and like understanding the different styles of, like, festivals there are, you know, whether it's really electronic, whether it's, like, warehousey kind of thing, you know, or it's, like, a more indie-based thing, you know, like, Glastonbury's, whatever, or something in America, where at the time I started out, it was very EDM-heavy, you know, it was all, like, kind of Skrillex, and, you know, these people headlining stages, and it was just, like, <laughs> mad lights and really loud, brash stuff, and my stuff sounded mm. really quiet and, like, you know, kind of the opposite at the time, you know, and I was, like, how do I, you know, try my live stuff... Um, started off on a very small scale. You know, we were doing things to like... I remember going to play in Germany, in Berlin, and and basically like me and Sam were there and like four people showed up. <laughs> Two of them were mode selector, <laughs> who just basically come to snoop on us <laughs> to see what we were doing. But actually there was no one in the audience. So we kind of learned the hard way played to no one, you know. And then it kind mm. of built fairly quickly, I suppose, you know, to where there was an audience in front of us. But yeah, it kind of... um you know, you kind of learn, I managed to learn before I even got to like larger stages, you know, like just being able to free myself of there being um, rules and such, you know. One of the things I definitely wanted to do as subject was break down like not being. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
1: Not being basically slave to other people, other musicians, you know, because I wanted to make it fully live, but I didn't want it to be like, oh, I've got all these pro people on stage, you know, so therefore I can sit back and just, you know, plod along pressing some buttons behind the scenes, you know, when actually in the (laughs) studio, all I do is create, I play sense keys, drums, bass, everything, you know, so like, um, and sequence and mix and engineer it. So like then, I'm like, why can I not do that on stage two? But it takes a bit more confidence to do it in front of an audience versus doing it on your own in, you know, kind of a dark room, you know, with no one there. <laughs> but then translating that to where you've got, you know, 20,000 people in front of you um, is like something you just got to like kind of to start to to get rid of the kind of the the things in your mind that might put you off doing it you know so for me that was the barrier really of just being confident enough to go look I've got a new drum machine this week I want to take it on stage and see what happens you know <laughs> so I absolutely yeah.
0: love that <laughs> <laughs> I know that um I think it was and please correct me if I get any of this story wrong um I think it was a music festival in the last few years that has maybe changed your perspective on things and it's why we've now got subtract uh, unmasked if you will um i think it was the dialed in festival that maybe oh yeah made yeah. you kind of see things slightly different and i was wondering if you could just talk about i guess the power of this festival and what happened to allow you to now as as we said at the start you're both subtract and aaron now yeah um, I think so there's multiple
1: levels that. that was more i think this festival was obviously like a point where it sort of validated me Showing myself versus and and that kind of representing who I am and what my music is, you know, it was basically a festival. It's in East London, and it's like I think they're on their third year now, and it's not a massive thing, you know. It's like I think they had like five thousand people at the last one, which is quite large compared to the the first one I went to. But like, um, it was it's predominantly like a South Asian electronic music festival, and my like my wife made me go to it. She was like she was like we need to go and investigate and see what's going on. So we went down, but like I was just um. I suddenly felt like a thing of going, oh, look, there's other people around me and now there's there's not so much a, a thing where you feel like you have to hide behind something to, to have validation. I didn't feel like there were any gatekeepers suddenly, you know, to why or who would listen to my music. Um, and it was really interesting chatting to people there who had no idea... That I would subtract. <laughs> and it <laughs> just became a thing where it's just like, wow, we had no idea. you like, you've been so hidden for so long, you know, that it's just been a thing that there were a couple of people who did. But on the whole, it sort of became something where they like, I oh, felt prouder about something. And I felt like there's something about since I started creating music, a little bit of having a mask, especially in electronic music, became a bit of a caricature of something, you know, and it felt a little bit like, oh, this is a voiceless kind of cartoony aspect to it versus it actually having sincerity and emotion to the music. So I was Mm -hmm. like partly feeling like through the years that, you know, the way things are in the world as well. I was just like, I don't feel like that's a necessary kind of... um, visual prop i need anymore in the beginning it made sense because it was like i wanted to focus on the music and not to be so uh like me having to present it to people or have to be the face of it to sell something you know um And obviously in that time since social media took off and everything went the reverse way where it's like, yes, you are literally now here a vehicle to just like basically tell people about your music before the music's even heard in a sense, you know, but in a way also it's given a strength to people having power to like... Uh, autonomy over themselves, which before you needed like a certain label to like you or a certain radio DJ to play your songs or a certain like Mm. club person to be into it, you know, and I don't feel, I feel like some of that is broken down now. So having that, ability to be able to like tell other people they can do what I did, you know, like do it with the freedom of just being yourself, you know, and not necessarily do what I did, or not doing what I did in the sense of having to hide, to exist within the electronic space. Anyway.
0: <laughs> 100%. I, well, I do kind of love that. And I love that it, I guess that festival in that moment allowed I guess like that clarity to, to be able yeah. to to be more yourself and, and not have to, I don't think there was a reliance on the mask. I think as you kind of said, it was just a thing that allowed you that anonymity. But like I'm, I'm glad that we're able to kind of be more free and open with our conversation about it. And so thank you very much for indulging me with that, um, with that story because I do, I do appreciate it. I know that um, it must have been a big turning point for both yourself and Subtract.
1: Yeah yeah no absolutely i think you know as one thing um you know obviously I, con- I i created a a sort of visual persona which everyone kind of co- could like uh connect with in a way you know like there was an immediacy of both the fact people saw a mask and they could un- they knew the music you know and both it worked mm. both ways hear the music you think of the mask in a sense so kind of breaking <laughs> away from that is a strange thing to do for most people, you know, when they're trying to be like, you know, we want people to know about, you know, like and all this stuff. So in some ways, I probably made it hard for myself in a sense, you know. And I, f- I found new boxes have being created as well, especially in the music industry in a sense. People found out I was like of South Asian heritage and suddenly the opportunities I'm offered are like ones based on that, you know, versus now based on being kind of like from a certain dance genre. You know, before they were like, you're a dance producer. And I'm like, I'm not a DJ slash producer slash anything. You know, I made full records, full albums with uh, storylines, you know, throughout. And it wasn't like I was just making music for the club and it was like, you know, reliant on, on some other, other person's direction to kind of create where I was going next. You know, my things have always personally followed my own ideas and storyline to where I want to go to next in terms of albums. You know, I don't really follow anyone else's path in that way. So yeah, I think, um, it made more calls for like, being myself.
0: <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. I know that there's a lot of fans in Australia excited to see you. We've got heaps good in both Melbourne and Adelaide and there's a special set of shows in Brisbane at the Fortitude Music Hall with yourself, the Avalanches, Holly Humberstone, Foles, uh, Griff. Um, I'm curious how the live show now might have changed for yourself with that kind of change in um not using the mask has have you found that the live aspect has had any major shift at all or is it just very similar but it's maybe now you've got better vision of the audience of the crowd Um, yeah no
1: true that's one thing for sure i can actually see people Um, (laughs) like i think um one of the the main things is like every record i've done i've tried to Uh, evolved my live show as well. You know, the first album, it was just a two piece, which is myself and Sam. First second album was a three uh, piece, basically myself, a guy like TK and Jimmy. Um, At one point before that had Fabi, who Fabiana Palladino, who writes records with J-Paul. I don't know, she recently put something Mm -hmm. else out. She was in the band before. And then, now I've kind of gone to a four-piece. So basically I have another singer called Layla, who's like the predominant vocalist on that album, kind of singing uh, through the set and stuff. So it's kind of grown a bit. I feel like the, two, the other two players have kind of been more of a constant since my second album to now. You know, I kind of, in some ways I'd say, you know, like Tame Parlor is a band, but it's also just Kevin. <laughs> it's mm. similarly in my live show, I've kind of built a group of people who will play around me. And I feel like there's a level of confidence to experiment a bit more now you know, I've I feel more confident to mess about on things, you know, or try different techniques or stuff because I've I I challenge myself for between each of those different eras, you know. And I feel like my band grew a bit as well, where they feel more confident to not just be like sitting and doing the best the least you know possible mm. they <laughs> they can sort of follow my direction in terms of if I go off piece and go oh well look I'm extending a song by two minutes they can follow it they don't just like totally lost in that moment nothing's like you know by the book or um kind of yeah just following a path but um yeah, I, th- I think touring right now I think is quite difficult, you know, because obviously there's, in, especially in the UK and Europe, there's the cost of living crisis, you know, like, and and I think post-Covid, you know, in the pandemic, there was an element of try- re-engaging with fans, in a sense, you know, and like making people wanting to go out to things, you know, <laughs> so like I think in a, in a, in a general sense, um, like being able to perform to people is so exciting, but it's also, it's not as simple as it used to be in a way, you know, of just going, oh, we put on sale this thing and everyone will show up in that way. You know, Uh, there's certain things which can have that magic, you know, like viral moments these days, like TikTok things will become something which is so large and impressive that you know, tens of thousands of people will want to buy a ticket for it or something. But actually there's a level of like, um, what I'm trying to get at is that trying to uh, be able to go way beyond the boundaries is something that is still, something I'm very ambitious to do. But to get to that point will take some levels of changing things up. And I'm definitely like trying to experiment more with my show from now through the next year, you know, to like work out how I can be more creative in a sense and put on something even more, uh, like what's the idea like kind of uh, um, visual I suppose you know as mm. well as musical that's the two the levels basically but trying to marry those up also within tight budgets for touring as the are these <laughs> of does. course you know it's <laughs> the hardest part <laughs> really
0: but- I can very much respect that. Well, yeah, I know that there's a lot of Australian fans excited to see yourself and the songs from the the new record, The Rat Road, yeah, um, and also songs from the previous records. As as we've said, I think you are a bit of a festival favourite here in Australia. So I think people are just excited to have you back at the core of it. <laughs> um, I was wondering if uh, we might be able to finish today on if there's a key festival moment, maybe set in your mind that um, that. That you kind of think of as your favorite set? It might have been as a punter, it might have been a subtract you attended, and you just happened to see this band. Is there one band or set from a festival that kind of stands out as your, the one that is closest to your heart?
1: Oh, that's a really difficult one, isn't it? I'm <laughs> like, um, I can't, yeah, it's it's hard to put a finger on, you know. There are, there are moments I've been at festivals and something magic's kind of, like, happened, you know, and you feel like there's a certain energy which you can't get anywhere else. I think one of the ones that um, I vividly remember is going to a festival on an island once and seeing Sigur Rós playing, but actually I couldn't see them because I was, like, in another field. <laughs> like, but I could actually <laughs> hear it. <laughs> and it was kind of this ethereal, like emotional feeling that you could feel with like, you could I could see the wind in the trees and stuff. And it had this this sort of moment that reminded me there were things which sound and feel right within a certain space. I don't know. And it was just like this mad sort of on the side of a forest, basically, um, in Ireland, you know. And it was like, it, it always connected with me. I don't know, like another... I have to try and remember these things, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> all these festivals. <laughs> um I don't know what another one I really enjoyed was like playing at uh, Governor's Ball myself once and it's in like actually it's not Governor's Ball it's called Bonnaroo Festival and it's like in near Nashville in Tennessee in in America and we once did a set and then it had this lineup where D'Angelo came on and did this whole set with Questlove from The Roots afterwards. It was like a jam session, but he was on stage straight after we finished. And it was like <laughs> and this this one stage, and his was like a secret set. And it was like this thing which just happened out of the blue but could only have happened there, and it never yeah. happened again, you know? So that's something which kind of like, you know, is quite exciting. I think, I don't know if people in Australia will remember back on my first album, my, I used to bring disclosure on stage with me and i don't know if i remember doing like sydney field day festival before mm. they blew up you know and they used to i brought them on to like do covers of their songs <laughs> in my show <laughs> so i think some of these some you know like i love those moments where you can like do things with guests which only ever happen once you know uh, yeah. may never happen in another environment you know so yeah kind of
0: i absolutely love those well yeah those are th- that sound like some absolutely incredible moments so thank you very much for sharing those with me um aaron aka subtract i very much appreciate you coming onto the pod today we're looking forward to seeing you at heaps good festival which is taking place again in australia in january and those shows in brisbane as well at the fortitude music hall but um yeah thank you again for your time today
1: no thank you very much for having me yeah i'm looking forward to being back there